With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. tuning in tonight warren moon is going to be on the show tomorrow we'll talk a little bit about the nfl playoffs a wild final weekend the uh seattle seahawks who he covers who of course did not make the playoffs this season and uh of course the latest on the oilers tomorrow as well and uh, i believe the elks are going to announce their uh defensive coaches tomorrow so keep an eye out for that and we'll talk about that uh, tomorrow on the show uh from six to eight bruins leading the canadians 4-1, and the Stars leading the Kraken 3-1. The uh, Boston-Montreal game's in the third. Stars and Kraken about to start the second, and the Maple Leafs and the Coyotes coming up at eight. The next Oilers game, we're slowly getting there, everybody. <laughs> we're slowly getting closer. It is Saturday, 6.30 face-off show, game at 8 o'clock at Rogers Place for Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Of course, that is going to be 50% capacity for uh that game when was it i gotta even look back when was the oilers last home game that was december 16th they beat columbus 5-2 was that also the last time they won oh no then they beat seattle on the 18th so yes it's been a while since they played a home game it's been a while since they've won a game uh what have they lost their last five oh three and two on that road trip now they haven't been playing straight through for a month but still a lot of practice a lot of downtime for the players going through COVID protocol mcdavid ryan Back on the ice today, 15 skaters on the ice today for the Oilers, two goaltenders. Kyle Turris went into COVID protocol. They'll be getting some players back Thursday and Friday and hopefully a, a full NHL-looking lineup for that game against the Senators who play in Calgary tomorrow. Looking forward to uh, finally getting going there. And I am very much looking forward to this interview. She is from Stony Plain. She has gone on to have an incredible soccer career, which includes being the goalkeeper for the Canadian gold medal victory in women's soccer in Tokyo in August. Please welcome back to Inside Sports, Stephanie Labe. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you, obviously, and uh, on our list of somebody we wanted to talk to. Well, always, but especially since August. <laughs> like, so do you, like, do you ever just... Uh, take out the gold medal and like wear it around or put it on, show it to people. <laughs> Honestly, like every once in a while, I see it laying around around on the floor and I, I look at it and I pick it up and I take it out of its little case. And uh, it still like blows my mind uh, what we accomplished and to see that and the reminder of like, did we actually win this? Like we actually did this. It's, it's crazy. You know, you set your mind to a goal and you dream of something for so long that, you know, the majority of people don't get to walk away with those. Like, it's a very, very few um, athletes that get to walk away from the Olympics and actually be successful and fully win. So, like, to be one of those is just, it's it's incredible. And, yeah, I still have to pinch myself every day. 
Well, I, I think a lot of Canadians do, and I, I rewatched uh, the, the penalty kicks from the, the gold medal game before doing this interview because I just wanted to kind of freshen up in my memory of uh, what I saw live in the summer, and it's still kind of... Um, like it's still thrilling, <laughs> you know. Even though I know what's gonna happen, which is pretty cool I, for me. Honestly, I lay in bed at night and I think about it, and like my heart still starts racing, and I still can feel the exact emotions that I felt on that day. Like it's crazy how that moment still like lives in my body, and like still I can still get the reactions from it. Like it's, it really was a. Uh, a really special moment and um yeah to be able to bring home that gold for canada and to do it with some of the most incredible people in my life was so so much fun you know one thing that uh i really noticed watching you and uh, i i know a lot of fans and listeners brought it up was during the, those penalty kicks you had that routine i guess i'll call it where you sort of stood relatively close to the kick taker and the ref had to say, okay, you got to go stand on your line. And you almost had like this big, well, you did have this big grin on your face. Like, is that part of your routine? Is that a mental stare down you're trying to do? What could you tell us about that? <laughs> Honestly, like, you know, everyone has their process. The shooter has the process that they want to go through. The goalkeeper kind of has their process. Um, the thing that you want to stick to no matter like what, you know, as a goalkeeper, whether you make the save or it goes in, you want to stick to the same process each time. You know, every sport has it um, in terms of like preparation for a specific moment of, of the event or competition. And for me, I had that, the, the smile, I don't know if that was fully part of my, you know, pre uh, predetermined um, process. It was something for me that just totally came out in the moment. Like I remember genuinely just being so happy and so excited and just like loving it and being so present in the moment. So that smile was like fully genuine. And for sure, there's a little bit of a, you know, a smirk behind the smile of trying to get in the head of the shooter or trying to get them to see me smiling at them. Um, but the the majority of it was definitely just this like real raw genuine enjoyment for where I was. Okay, so well, which is really cool. And and you mentioned how you can sort of take yourself back to that moment and feel all those same emotions. Were you okay, I was going to say were you aware of the stakes? Obviously you were aware of the stakes, but to some extent you have to uh, block that out and just rely on all the training and preparation that got you there when you're actually on the line trying to make those saves? For sure. There was a, a total mix. Like I was aware of, you know, obviously, like you said, the stakes. I knew I was in a gold medal final. Um, I am terrible. I have a terrible short-term memory. So in like PK shootouts, I actually have no idea what the score is. Like I, it's so hard for me. And when you're a goalkeeper, you're like in, you're out, there's a save, there's a miss, there's a goal. Like I, I can't keep straight when I'm in there. So, and I, you know, I have too much nerves to be looking up at the scoreboard and trying to follow that. So I just do my best to be completely present in the moment and just focus on my job. And every time I step in the net, I just focus on trying to make a save. If I don't make a save, I go back out of the net. I focus, you know, I watch the shooter and I'm right back in my own zone. All right, back to my task at hand. So I'm just completely focusing. So to be honest, when Sweden's third shooter came up, when Sager stepped up, I had, I had a, a, a slight idea that, you know, if she scored, they would have won it. But I, I don't think I felt that pressure at all because I was just so in the moment and I was just so um, like focused on my job and making a save. And I 
like stepped in that goal and I was like, I'm going to make the save. I feel like I need to make a save right now and I'm going to make the save. And you know, I didn't quite make a save, but I like to think that, you know, maybe I psyched her out and that's a save enough. Uh, well, yeah, because there was one, the one that uh, missed the target, which is, I mean, yes, hey, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a win for the goalie. And, and you, you, yes. made a, you made some big saves too. So if they're going to miss the net, that's, that's too bad for them, I figure. Okay, so do you remember the first time as a keeper you were in a penalty shootout? Like, are we going back to the Millwoods Warriors or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the first time. Uh, honestly, I want to say provincial team when I was like maybe 14 years old. Um, I didn't start playing competitive soccer till I was like 11 anyway. So I want to say like, I think I remember a PK shootout when I was like 14 with the provincial team, but a very vague memories. I do remember in college, we had a lot of PK shootouts and I was always one of the shooters as well, which is very interesting. Bev didn't call on me in Tokyo, but I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah, you're fine doing the, doing the yeah. job. That you were <laughs> I'll to stick to sure. one job. <laughs> yeah, that's, good. that's a good plan. Stephanie Labe <laughs> joining us tonight on uh, Inside Sports as we look back on the women's soccer gold medal from Tokyo in the summer, uh, an incredible moment. And she was telling you, obviously, the, the medal still bringing back uh, a lot of memories. So you, you win. What, I think I'm curious, what were the next 24 to 48 hours like? Because I assume many of you had to get back to somewhere, right? Yes. So the way that the, the Tokyo Olympics worked was um, from the moment that your event or your competition ended, um, you had 48 hours to be out of the village. So it was like very quick turnarounds um, for majority of athletes. So honestly, by the end of it, like we were there right until the end because our game was uh, the day before the closing ceremonies. And um there weren't too many athletes left over in, in the village by that point. So there weren't too many events still going on, but um, yeah, it was a, a whirlwind for sure. Um, I was going through some of my own challenges with that. I, I had some pretty severe uh, anxiety and panic attacks um, throughout the Olympics and towards the end. So um, to be honest, after the final, I was like elated and there was some crazy emotions and I was expecting this kind of like ability to come down and just relax and enjoy the moment. But um, for, for my personal journey, I unfortunately wasn't able to, to celebrate too, too much. Um, we got back from, from that game, I think at around four in the morning, we got back to the village, um, just from the medal ceremony and then a long bus ride back to the village. Um, but you know, there, there was a lot of partying going on. There was a lot of excitement around the village and, um, we, we had a great time at the closing ceremonies and, um, yeah, it was, there was some good times. Well, Stephanie, thanks for sharing that. And, and, and you mentioned some of, some of your personal challenges, and I, and I know you've, you've spoken about that in the past. Um, how, do you, how do you get through that? Because like, like we were just talking about, like in that, in that shootout and many other times in the tournament, you projected so much strength and so much confidence, and, and, but I guess just kind of more proof you can never know what's going on behind uh, whatever someone might be projecting at, at a moment. So how, you know, how did you sort of deal with the anxiety, like you said, and who sort of helps you in those moments where maybe you're not feeling your best? Yeah, I think for me, um, because this is something that I've been challenged with in, in my life, um, I've worked very hard at my mental strength and my mental preparation for, for training and games. So for me, um, the second I step over the white line and I'm on the pitch, um, that's like the place where I'm the most comfortable, where I'm the most myself, where I'm the most confident version of myself. And 
that's what I train for. So it's like, it's almost like when I step on the field, I am, I have the ability to be so incredibly present in that moment that nothing is able to rattle me or shake me. So the confidence and the the strength that you see of me on the field, like that is genuine and that is me. Um, and it's when I step off the field that, um, you know, that everything that I know about soccer almost kind of fizzles away. And then it's, then I'm back to real life. And, you know, I'm a human being just like everybody else. I have my own personal struggles. I have, you know, a personal life. I have family, I have friends, I have work stress, you know, I have all of the same types of challenges that everybody else has. Um, I'm just able to channel it and, and um, I guess, tune it out for those 90 minutes when I step on the field. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I I, I appreciate that. And I, I, I always, um, I ask a lot of questions of athletes about, um, you know, mental strength, confidence, because I, I get so many different answers, Stephanie. I mean, I've had people who've made incredible shots or plays in a game, who have told me, you know, years later, they were like, Oh, I, I, I didn't think I was going to make that, you know, <laughs> Whereas, yeah. you know, you don't see totally. that when they're performing. No, for sure. It's, you know, everyone has different challenges. And, and like you said, you know, what we see um, of athletes, we see on the TV or in the media, and we only see one perception of that. Um, but it's really like when an athlete is stepping on the the field of play there's so many things that go into performances um and you know an athlete might come out of a, a specific performance and have one opinion of it and the media will have a different opinion of it and the coach will have a different opinion of it and a teammate will have a different like everybody has different opinions and perceptions of how things go and um at the end of the day you know only an athlete really knows because they are the ones doing the preparation they're the ones um in the gym when nobody's looking they're the ones you know eating properly and getting the proper recovery and sleep and doing what they need to do in the gym. And, um, all of that goes into performances. So I think that's the one thing to remember with athletes is, um, you know, we only see one perception when we're watching them compete, but there's so much more that goes into that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up here with two or three kind of, uh, fun ones or lighter ones, whoever you want to look at. So we can get to know you in another way as well. Okay. Uh, awesome. Let's do it. Other than soccer, what sport do you most enjoy watching in your free time? Ooh, hockey for sure. Okay. <laughs> and you get you're in Paris right now. Do you get how much NHL or Oilers are you getting? <laughs> yeah, you know, watching hockey games at four in the morning isn't necessarily on my schedule. Um, but you know, finding those websites where I can watch the replay the next day and trying not to see the score as I'm hitting the link for watching the replay is very challenging. Um, but yes, hockey uh through and through. Okay, and and, uh, and you are an Oilers fan, I think. I believe we've talked about that. I am. Okay. I am. All right. Well, they got to pick it up a little bit, but hopefully they will. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay. So, and I, I mentioned you're, you're currently in Paris. Um, for those of us like me who have not been to Paris, does it live <laughs> up to all the myths and hype? <laughs> Uh, if you're asking about the cheese and wine, yes. Okay. <laughs> the cheese and wine is impeccable. <laughs> All right. And is, uh, the, what's the sports scene like there? Uh, it's amazing. It's, you know, there, there's a saying, Paris is magic. Uh, Paris est magique. And um, I have to say that's very, very true. The, the culture around football here is really, really amazing. Um, the support that they have um is is really really cool to be a part of and um yeah it really is a, a pretty cool sporting city and i think right now there's a lot of excitement with obviously the paris olympics coming up paris 2024 and 
um, that's a really exciting thing to kind of feel the energy here and um, the excitement around that as well. Okay, and I'm going to give you this one as well. You, you do a lot of interviews, and, and especially in, in the wake of winning gold and all that stuff. Um, what question do you wish somebody would ask you that you've never been asked? And then, of course, I'm going to expect you to answer it as well. <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> well, oh, that's a tough one. I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty open book and I, you know, you can ask me a question and I'll take it whatever direction I want to take it. So I don't know if there's a question that I've necessarily not been asked. Like a hobby um, or something you wish you could talk about that no one ever brings up, something like that. I don't know. Do you have model oh, trains or something? <laughs> uh, I love puzzling. I don't know if I've ever talked about puzzling in an interview. Like <laughs> Currently actual, working on a puzzle right now. Like actual jigsaw puzzles. Yes, I love puzzling. It's like it's a form of meditation for me, but I can get lost in a puzzle and I can just sit and puzzle for hours. I love it. What's the largest one you've ever done in terms of pieces? Ooh, honestly, I think a thousand. I'm like, I'm kind of, I'm also like, as much as I love puzzling, I also love achieving things. So I don't want it too big where it takes me too long to achieve it. Right, you want to finish. But, um, <laughs> You know, I did get my uh, favorite present for Christmas this year. My fiance, Georgia, got me a personalized puzzle of the uh, photo of us after we won gold, the team photo of us all with our medals. So I have yet to put that one together, but that will be the next puzzle that I do. Okay, well, that, I hope that one is on Instagram when it's finished. We want to see that. Definitely will be. I promise it will be. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, Stephanie, what a pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, and again, congratulations and all the best moving forward. I know you got a lot of great matches and big moments ahead of you as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. That is Stephanie Labe from Stony Plain, Alberta, an Olympic gold medalist. Wow, what an honor to have her on the show very honest she talked about it you know struggles with uh, anxiety along the way but when she steps on that pitch she turns into a superhero she was that for canada and taking us back to that shootout sweden had a chance to win don't forget that and she, uh, that shot hit the crossbar she made a couple of big saves along the way and canada got the gold so good to have her on the show and we wish her all the best and hopefully we'll talk to her again this episode is brought to you by hyperice the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology they have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Down the line. It is 7.50. It is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chat. kids called again Greta Van Fleet right this is all getting one of their older songs already have they done anything in the last yeah, they, couple of years they have a album that came out last year has some good tracks on it I'll have to listen to it I will have to listen to it what have I been listening to lately new I don't even know well I, I really like the war on drugs they put out a new album a couple of months ago that I quite liked they're pretty good the war on drugs I've never heard of them oh they're good Okay. Yeah, they're, uh, they're solid. Kind of, uh, I don't know, alt-indie sounding, but okay. still pretty catchy. Yeah, 
they're good they're my cool. they're my recommendation and they're in almost anything from the 80s of course there were 15 oilers on the ice today skaters dry mcdavid cassian you had barry you had keith you had hyman mcleod pulley nurse cc you had uh shore out there ryan sevier Lagason as well, Chris Russell, and uh, Smith and Koskinen in net. Kyle Turris went into COVID protocol. Other players, uh, you know, like Yamamoto, Perlini, the guys who went on on the weekend, should be coming back to practice in the next day or two. So that is the update there. Really appreciate all the discussion tonight about Evander Kane. Again, the latest there is, is um, looks like, there could be a delay in him potentially finding a new team. Elliot Friedman reporting it and Frank Cervelli weighing in tonight with some details as well that the NHL is investigating uh, Kane crossing the border from the U.S. into Canada just after Christmas while he was supposed to be in COVID protocol. And, uh, you know, Frank Cervelli wondering if there could even be some sort of a, a criminal investigation here for uh, violating the Federal Quarantine Act. So, yeah, an imminent signing for Evander Kane is perhaps no longer in the books because of this news today. So uh, Dave Tippett was asked a little bit about Kane after practice, and he also elaborated on the Oilers' hot start versus their cold slump that they're currently stuck in. You look at the you look at the process you're going through. Like early on, our power play was really driving us. We were outscoring a lot of mistakes. And there was there was parts of our five on five game that we needed to improve. Now, it's funny how it goes because there's there's good chunks of our five-on-five five game that I think are better than they were at the start of the year, but the special teams have dropped off a little bit. We can't find that extra goal we need, and that's what it's about. You got to find a way to win those games. Like instead of winning, a, we were winning four-three-five-four early in the year. We got to start winning some two-one-three-two games, right? and that's uh, I, I said it before to our group that. This adversity, it's, it's, a, it's a chunk you want to get by as quick as you can, but ultimately I think this is adversity that is pushing our game to be better. You know, the details of your game have to be in place. The mistakes have to come out of the, out of the game. So, um, you know, I think we're going to get this going the right way and we'll be a better team for it. But, you know, it's a challenge getting that, just finding that, that win that's a hard win, but you're finding a way to get on top of it rather than, behind it and we've had too many games where we've been behind it lately yeah well and we uh, caller mentioned that earlier and never virtually never scoring first only four times in the last 25 games hasn't helped and you hope that dave tippett is right that what the Oilers have gone through here for the last month is going to pay off in the long term one of the stories still to be told late in the third period bruins leading the canadians 5-1 and about seven minutes left in the second period, Dallas at home with a 3-2 lead on Seattle, starting in about 10 minutes, Toronto at Arizona. And again, next Oilers game coming up on Saturday at home against Ottawa. Okay, I really appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for your calls. Thanks for your participation in the show. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Again, latest on the Oilers. And Warren Moon is scheduled to join us. I know what I'm scheduled to do now, everybody. It is Wednesday night. It's the book of Boba Fett. <laughs> Those are my big Wednesday night plans. Big thanks to Kellen Kennedy, back at the 630 Chad Broadcasting Compound. Dave Campbell is the producer of the show. My name's Reed. Take care.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.